Coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 13th of March, 2022. No orphans. I was captivated in studying this passage by a word that I don't think that I had ever seen. I think my Bible was rewritten or something and someone inserted something. Not true, but in our passage this morning in John chapter 14, in verse 18, Jesus uses a word that I think because of the context of what's going on in our world today, just got me. Over the last couple weeks, as we have seen scenes come out of the Ukraine, probably one of the ones that got me the most was a picture, well, it was actually a little short video, as the person stood and they were in a room and they moved the camera around in the room. And the voiceover was describing what was being, what we were seeing. And it was a picture of an orphanage that had to move out of their orphanage building because it had been bombed. And they had taken the orphans down into a basement like of a hotel. There was no windows or anything. There was some caregivers there. But all around, spread on mats and some beds and assorted whatever they could find, were orphan after orphan after orphan after orphan. And then I read this passage, I will not leave you as orphans. And I got to thinking about that. Here these kids are. You already lost a mom and dad. And now they're in a country that where they were trying to find some security because they were dependent upon others looking out for them. And uh, they had been moved into a basement to hope to escape uh what was going on in the outside world, outside that building. And it just got me. Just got me. And I was thinking what it meant to, to be an orphan. Never my experience, at least on this physical plane. And I thought about the one factor of being alone. Mom and dad, gone. But alone. How we would have a tendency to withdraw and pull in and think what is going on, even at a young age. Who do you turn to? Who do you trust? What do you do? I thought not only about being alone, but being fearful. What's going to happen to me? What's 
what's in my future? What's, what's coming next? It leads to a matter of being insecure. I can't count on anything. I, I can't trust those around us. I don't know them. What's going to happen? And of course, being orphaned means I've been deprived. Deprived of my parents. Deprived of my life. Now some of these kids were so small that I'm sure they had very little recollection of the past. Except maybe the separation specifically of mom and maybe dad. But some of the kids were a little bit older and they could see what was going on. But I was thinking of Jesus speaking to his disciples and he had said, I'm going away. He says, I'm going to be leaving you. And we've already touched on this a little bit, but that whole idea of saying, here these men had left the, their, their lives to follow Jesus. And for years now, they had been following him. And now he says, I'm going to leave you. And even though we saw earlier in this chapter a promise to return, he needs to comfort them with what their true situation was. And in verse 18 of this passage, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. You are, you are not going to be left alone. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be insecure. I don't want you to even feel deprived. And to that end, he speaks in this passage that, that Tom read for us. And I just want to come back and underscore those concepts because they speak to our heart too. How many times in our lives we may have not gone through the physical experience of being orphaned, some may, but have gone through times when we felt left alone. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is an interesting one. First of all, it's short. Sometimes the psalmist gets carried away, but not in this one. But he gets right to the point in Psalm 13. He goes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my own soul? Basically saying, that's all I've got. And have sorrow in my heart all day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David writes this psalm. You're going to say, well, David? I mean... You look at David, he was a shepherd boy and God gave him strength to kill a lion, kill a bear. David was the, the young man who picked up stone from the brook and 
and was able to take out Goliath. And, and David, while he was chased around the countryside by, by King Saul, he had his band of men with him. Uh, he wasn't alone. You can be alone in a crowd, can't you? You can be surrounded by people who have no idea what you're going through. And some of the things that we talk about here, being orphaned, alone, fearful, insecure, and deprived, can be the feature set in which we live. The psalmist goes on and says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, and lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And in those four short verses, David talks about being separated from his God. I love the fact that the psalm doesn't end after verse 4, but goes on two more verses, and he says, but... I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice at your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He says, I put my hope in this, that the God who saved me in the past is with me now and will deliver me in the future. And he put his trust in an unseen God when the heavens were as brass. And Jesus said to his disciples, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Later on in the passage, as he's describing this, he says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. What is he saying? You're not in this alone. We're in this together. I haven't left you by yourself. The disciples thought, Jesus goes away. We're going to be at a loss here. But what Jesus promises is something quite the contrast. He says, we will have the indwelling Godhead with me, with us. Jesus said, anyone who loves me keeps my word, my Father will love me, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Most of us believe that Scripture talks about the indwelling Spirit, but Jesus said, it won't be just the Spirit, it'll be the Father and myself. The Godhead will be with you. And you say, well, Pastor, you're getting a little weird there because we know he talks about the indwelling spirit, but what about the indwelling father, indwelling son? Where are you going with that? He said, when you have one, you have the other. They're not any different in character and nature. They might be individually different, but they're one essence. I love the fact that he says, in the end, before his ascension into heaven, that familiar passage to us of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus came 
and said to him, said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we are not alone, but we have the presence of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, we're not also to be fearful. Instead, we're to be confident. What Jesus is talking about is you needn't be afraid why you have my presence. And he says, and we will be abiding with you but also, as we, we think on this, he says, I promise never to leave you. Listen to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Strange juxtaposition of those two things. Be careful how you have, handle your money. Be content with what you have. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Why would somebody be anxious about those things? Why would they be fearful? It's because God says, I know what you're going through. I see what you're involved in. I know what your money looks like. What your bank account says. But I also have promised to leave you and never leave you. And in verse 6 he says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So we're not to be fearful, but confident. I love this in Hebrews chapter 11. He's giving an account of the life of Moses. And he says, and he considered the reproach of Christ Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Well, that verse ought to mess with your mind a little bit. Because he says, <laughs> I consider the reproach of Christ greater wealth. And you go, wait a minute. Moses lived back here. Jesus lived back here. Jesus wasn't around at all, wasn't he? <laughs> he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. In other words, he says, it doesn't matter what the world has to say and what the world does to me. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do you see the invisible? Do you see Jesus Christ's presence? See, part of the problem with this passage, and I didn't bring it out until this moment, is as some of the scholars in looking at that were wondering, what in the world is he talking about? He says, a little while I'm going to be with you, and then a little while it won't be with you, and then I'll be back again. And, and they're going, what's he talking about? Is he talking about... 
that he is soon going to go to the cross and die and be buried and he wouldn't be with them and then he was going to be resurrected and he would be with them? Or is he talking about after the resurrection going home to heaven and not being with them but coming again on the second coming and we'll be here? What is he talking about? And the answer is study it out for yourself. No. <laughs> Yes to some of the above. Why? Because all those things are true. He was going to be separated from them for a few days in the tomb. But he wasn't really talking about either his resurrection or the second coming. He was talking about himself being going away. What's the context of this passage? the Holy Spirit, sending the Holy Spirit to be there. And so we see that very thing. He says in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You're not to be insecure, but reassured. God isn't going to leave us as orphans. He's promised the Holy Spirit who will remind us. And he's, as we have already said, he is of the same care. He is of the same essence. He has the same drive. He has the same goals for us. And he says, I haven't, he hasn't left us alone. In 1 Corinthians 2, 8, 9, and 10, it says, But as it is written, what, I, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything even the depths of God. See, Jesus is promising in John chapter 14, the spirit, and Paul is writing about that same spirit to the church in Corinth and saying the very thing that Jesus promised, that very same person is already alive and working within you. One final element about not being orphaned is that we're not deprived by the going away of Jesus Christ, but rather we're enriched. We're enriched. I love this element here and it's worth pondering on in verse 28 he says you have heard me say I am going away and I will come to you he says if you love me you would have rejoiced because I am going to the father for the father is greater than I and he says I want you to get your mind 
into the right place. It says, you're concerned about your loss. I've already taken care of that. We're going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to minister in your heart. But do you understand what it means for me to leave you? And they go, yeah, we're going to be missing you. And he goes, no. What it means for me to leave you is I get to go home. I get to be with my father. And if you really understood that, if you really loved me and wanted the best for me, you would go, go for it. You get to go back to be with your father. That's what I want too. Take us along. That's what he promised. So rejoice. Don't be jealous of Jesus, but rejoice with him because he gets to be with the Father. And that's what he says. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. It is going to be glorious going home. We go to Philippians and it talks about the humility of Christ, how he says the, the presence of God was not anything to be grasped but, and held on to and dragged out of heaven and sent to earth. No, he says, and then he became a man and a servant, went to the cross. But the flip side is here. The flip side is after I have finished my work, what gets to happen? I get to go home. And he said, if you understand how good that is, if you love me and wanted the best for me, you would say, go. Go home. Go to be with your father. The father. That, what a delight. What a joy. And I tell you, as believers, we all go, that's what I want to. I want to go home. This is not my home. This is where I live now, but this is not my home. I want to go home. I want to be with the Father. I want to be with the Son. John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to the Father. If I go away, you will not be deprived. You will be enriched. The Holy Spirit will come and dwell in your midst and be able to work in and through you to minister in greater ways than he could minister just through me alone. So don't think of it as a negative. Think of it as a positive. So Jesus can say to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Not alone, but have the presence of the Trinity. Not fearful, but confident. Not insecure, but reassured. Not deprived, but enriched. As we circle back to those orphans in the Ukraine. I am thankful for those who would care for those little ones. But the thing they need most 
is what most believers have experienced in their heart and life and the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ through the Spirit ministering in their hearts and lives. Those orphans need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need his presence. And that's exactly what he has promised. I will minister to you through the Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans and not alone. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what a gift. You sent to your Son, then the Son and yourself, you sent the Spirit. And while the disciples, having walked and talked with the Lord for three plus years, would certainly be missing his presence, they would not be abandoned, they would not be orphaned, but they would have your presence still with them in and through the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So we give thanks that this, the same is true for us. We who have never seen you still believe. And the Holy Spirit is given to all who believe so that we can have the indwelling work of the Spirit in our lives and your presence. We're so thankful we're not on our own and left alone but you're with us all the time. We give thanks in Jesus' name.